You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Bert here. Um, this week we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, you know, we've, we've been going through the Gospel of John um, and uh, just given uh, the, the state of our country right now and everything that's been happening in the last couple of weeks, it didn't feel right to sort of keep on that, that and, and not address um, the elephant in the room. So um, what we're going to do today um, is have a conversation. Um, I've, I've invited uh, my friend, Pastor Jamal Van from Church Done Different in Philadelphia. Uh, we're we're going <laughs> to beam Jamal in on, on the TV here in just a second and, and talk through uh, everything that's happened with the rioting, with the looting, with the murder of uh, George Floyd. And But before we get into that, um, I, I want to just recognize a couple of things. Number one... Um, something that kind of happens when, when there's national tragedy and when there's chaos and unrest is that people sort of instantly form opinions. Um, even though I think all of us are, are heartbroken about what happened to uh, George Floyd, like everyone sort of tends to just naturally just jump towards uh, a, a viewpoint and do a lot of talking without a lot of listening. Now, here's why this is contrary to us as believers, because in James 1.19, James says, listen, everybody, listen, everyone who's in the family of God, uh, we want to be slow to speak and quick to listen. And so today, listen, as we're talking, you may be tempted to just sort of jump down somebody's throat and be like, no, 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 here's why. And, and I would just encourage you, before you decide to chime in on the conversation, just listen. Just listen to somebody who has a different point of view than you. I think we've largely lost that ability culturally where we, where we tend to just speak before thinking and, and taking the time to understand someone else's point uh, of view. Just a couple of things I, I wanted to clarify from the outset. Uh, if we're going to talk through this idea of uh, you know, the anger that a lot of people in the African-American uh, community are feeling and the hurt and the wound uh, that, that are, are present. Um, I feel like we've been, we've been very carefully spun this narrative that says that you're either for black people or for police and that you can't be both. And I, and I, I, I reject that. I absolutely reject that. So what I would hate for you to hear right now, if we talk about sort of like, you know, if there's, if there's uh, real suffering happening among black people. What I would hate for you to hear from us is that we're somehow anti our brothers and sisters in law enforcement. Like we have good, like Bible believing and and not just like wonderful civil server servants in our community and nation, and, and we don't want them to feel diminished. I know they're they're popular targets right now, and we just we're not about that. Okay, so I, I don't want that to be heard. And I also don't want you to hear from us right now that we're pro looting or rioting. Nobody in this conversation thinks that that's a good thing. Um, so as we dive in, um, I, I want you just to know that listen, the, the purpose of this is not to add fuel to a flame. The, the purpose is to bring healing and unity where it needs to accomplish within the family of God as our hearts break together for what's happening. So all that said, um, here's my conversation with Jamal Van. Um, so Jamal, thanks for taking the time to talk with us this morning. I know um, 
there is a lot of uh, unrest and uh, just chaos happening um, all over the country. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things I, I, I really value about you um, is that you, you have an incredible amount of patience to be willing to have tough conversations. Like, uh, um, we talked earlier in the week, um, and, I, I, and, and this is kind of how all this began, was, was you uh, us just having a conversation about everything that's happening. So, um, you know, we've known each other a lot longer than I'd like to admit. Um, I, I, I said almost 20 years earlier, and you were not okay with me bringing that up. Um, and Well, you have gray in your beard. I'm, I don't <laughs> have any, so I don't, just because, you know, I want to maintain my innocence. Okay, okay. That's, well, so then we'll say, we'll say that it wasn't that we went to college together. It was that, uh, I don't know, I, I babysat you as a child. No, that's weird. No, nope. <laughs> no, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Wait a minute. Keep going. Just keep going. That's all right. Um, so anyway, um, you know what's crazy too? Really, really quick. You know what's crazy? Like the, the thought. I don't know if you realize this. Or not. Literally, the last like like because we we've preached in each other in each other's churches. Literally, the last live preaching gig that I had was at your church before COVID hit. I'm like that was, well, the, that was the last live service I had. Is that right? Yeah. Oh my. I mean, other than like inside our building, we've had some outdoor stuff. But okay, yeah. So. So really, this might be my fault. I can't prove it, but it's possible that <laughs> happened. Um, so look, how about we just? Um, I- I've got some questions here. I, I know, um, like what, what we w- both wanted to do was, was have a time of dialogue. Um, um, so I-, I thought I'd just begin by asking you the million-dollar question: Like, why is it uh, that we're seeing the anger that we're seeing right now? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it is not easy to answer without a a wide, wide range of emotions, thoughts, and, and ideas. So I'll do my best. Um, but you're seeing the outrage and the anger. Uh, I was talking to my father, and uh, we were describing a, a fire. You know, once a fire gets started, kind of like in California sometimes, the fire will start. They'll be like, it's week five, and they're still working on that fire. Mm. Um because some fires, once they start, are hard to put out. Um, sometimes volcanoes take a while to erupt, but when they do, they cause a lot of damage. And so I think this this uh, eruption we're seeing has been brewing and preparing and bubbling for a long time. Um, I saw an image earlier today where they had a, a collage of pictures. And the collage of pictures had everyone from Emmett Till, who was... Um, accused of looking at a white woman, uh, just a, a teenage kid, age of my daughters or younger, and they they stripped him, beat him, burned him alive, then drug him through the streets and then threw him in the river. And so um, we, we know that story very well in the black community. I know the story very well. And we also now know the story of George Floyd very well. And so... Um, this volcano has been brewing for a long time. Mm. Well, then let's 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 take that for a moment here. Um, I think like like the the example of Emmett Till that you just brought up there. I think what a lot of people um, from my neck of the woods kind of uh, hear in that 
is something that that's awful and horrible. But so many of us, I think, have come under the the belief that okay, that was a time gone by, right? Like that that's a that's a an action that that all of us would agree was and is deplorable. But um, I feel like there's this sort of popular consensus that that racism is over, right? That like it, it used to be there could be open hostility towards people of a different uh, skin color and, and, and there was no social backlash. In fact, it's sort of the norm and expected. Whereas now, um, we as a country, uh, that's not something that, that in the open we, we would tolerate. So I think a lot of uh, white people sort of believe that, okay, that was bad, but it's done. So what would you, what would you say to the person who sort of believes that, that racism uh, is not a thing that happens anymore, that's very small and, and minute? Yeah. Um, to anyone that is saying racism doesn't happen anymore, I think at this point is if they've been alive in recent history, um, from Trayvon Martin to Orlando Castile um, to um, the the young man who was uh, gunned down just a few few months ago for jogging, mm-hmm. jogging while black, to the most recent um, with George Floyd, who was uh, murdered according to the charges he's facing right now, at least third degree he's facing. And um, for what we found out was a, he turned in a, a counterfeit $20 bill, uh, which they f- later found out some people are saying is actually was real. So either way, it wasn't worthy of the death penalty. Right. And so to say now that racism does not exist or is not real, it's a thing of the past or it's not, it's, I think you, you it's hard for people to look and face the fact that the country that we live in has, still has a, a very staunch disease, the same disease that it's had since its inception. Mm. Um, and that disease has, for a lot of people's hearts, has gone away or has at least, they, they now realize it's no longer cool or godly or ethical to have racist racism in your hearts. And they work on that. But for a large part of the country, um, like the like the, uh, the picture I sent you, Bert, of the, the teenagers who, who are reenacting George Floyd's death by putting knees on their friends' heads and taking selfies and pictures. It is in no way, shape, or form dulled. I, I was talking to one friend, and they they were trying to describe, because we have to go to work after. Like, we, we see a black person die by the hands of a police officer on television, and we have to go to work the next day. And they were saying their job didn't talk about it. There's riots. The job didn't mention it. The job just got an award for cultural diversity. Um, and she was saying, but they... <laughs> You know, it's kind of funny because they don't even talk about it. And the point she was making um, was this. Is that when one black person dies in that manner unjustly at the hands of a police officer, our entire race feels the same pain at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a dog. It's like a dog lover. Seeing a dog shot in cold blood, all dog lovers would feel that pain simultaneously. Mm. It's the same way for us. Let's talk about that for a moment. Um, I feel like we need to hear right now, um, in an age where we sort of believe that, you know, uh, look, let me tell you this we don't have a problem calling racism bad, 
Okay. okay. Like, and, and most of us would say, you know, gosh, I, I would never, ever in a million years discriminate against somebody with an, op, like with an opportunity or uh, to show fellowship or kindness based on the color of their skin. In fact, I, that, I find that repugnant. Um, and, and so what a lot of us do is we um, assume that because we're like that, everyone is like that. Right. Like mm-hmm. we, we, we assume that, OK, that the norm is um, that the norm for us is what is experienced by everyone everywhere. And we don't understand like um, the, the reality of suffering that still happens and how, well, OK, listen, the reason that we don't encounter racism on the color of our skin is because typically if there's an abuse of power, it goes in our favor. <laughs> Right. Mm, um, yeah. So, like, you made a reference um, on Monday when we talked on the phone that just sort of blew my mind. I was wondering if you could just share that uh, with my church about how, look, you were as a as a kid around the dinner table, prepped for how to uh, experience life in terms of where to not to be, like what to do if you were stopped. Like, could you like? Could you just share that with us for a moment? Because like, I think that's pretty eye-opening that, that a lot of us need to hear. Yeah. Um, I think I was describing uh, uh, life in America for Africans, descendants of Africans, kings and queens and tradesmen, and eventually we, we're called African-Americans. Um, it's been a horror movie. And so, and not a horror movie that everyone else would know. Um, and when I say horror movie, I, I don't mean to incite anything other than just to kind of to give the emotion behind what happens at the dinner table for us. But your mother or your father sit you down and they, and they say to you, when you're pulled over by a police officer, do not get smart with them. Mm. Keep your hands on your steering wheel. Say sir, yes, sir, and no, sir. Don't make any sudden moves. Do not reach for your wallet. You know, and they're they're saying that because they they don't want you to end up dead or. Mm-hmm. And that's not because it's like they're spooky. They're saying that because that's been the history. Yeah. You would be told, do not go into white neighborhoods after dark. If you're traveling down south, you know, before, you know, just in just in general, you know, travel during the day. Mm. Don't go through white neighborhoods, even in P.A., where there's Ku Klux Klan activity, don't go the go long way. Yeah. If you got to travel to to Altoona or you got to travel to Pittsburgh, you know, make sure you do it during the day. Don't if you got to if it gets too late, pull over and get a hotel. Mm. But make sure you get it in a black neighborhood so you don't think like you're you're prepped for survival because the experience that we've had at the hand of that monster called racism. You know, we we've watched people get hung and set on fire and castrated and there would be a crowd of people watching and they would go home and eat chicken afterwards as if it was like mm. normal behavior. You know, that's psycho, that's like, that's psychotic. And yeah. so we've been at the brunt of it. So you're prepped as a kid, you know, how to survive. Mm-hmm. And that's not even from the, from even your own neighborhood and you had the same conversation in your own neighborhood, you know, how to, how to survive your own neighborhood because now people are, you know, killing in your own neighborhood. And so, you know, you're prepped at every stage in, as an African-American how to get a job, 
how to talk on your job, how to keep your job, you know, how to how to work hard in school so you can perform good and, and not be because you have to perform twice as good as your white counterpart. You can get all A's and your counterpart can get all A's, but that won't be good enough. You need to get all A's and do extra credit and talk nice because so you're you're taught this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, as a kid. Well, then that's part. Look, can, if I can use a phrase that I think is not a popular one, but but how much of that also comes into the idea of white privilege, right? Like for for me, if I let's say I go to a job interview. And mm-hmm. I like I I think I absolutely killed it, right? Um, and I don't get the job. In my mind, there's never a thought of did I not get that job because I'm white? Like like even like even even that like that having to be a thing is a reality of a different life and experience, right? Like for 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 me, like. Nobody is shocked if I'm articulate. Do you know what I'm saying? But but how but how much is is the sort of prevalent racism that that, that lies there that just has the assumption otherwise? And I and I guess like like when we talk about the the idea of not the idea the reality of the murder of George Floyd, right? That yeah. that that is just an, another incident in this you know, 400 year old history of what you've called a horror movie. Like it, it kind of just shows that no, actually, you know, when, when our parents told us this, that's real. And, it, yeah. and, and it's not, and it's not just, it's not just few and far between that's done by people who are in power and given the, like the authorization to administer what is supposed to be justice. Right. Um, and so like given, given, uh, all, all the outrage that's happening here, I, I guess just kind of my question is like, what's, what's the goal moving forward? Because I, I think, I think a lot of us see this and we feel helpless because we don't, we, we don't want to abide racism. We don't want to abide discrimination against somebody, uh, based on the color of their skin. And we certainly don't want to abide the murder of innocent people. So my question is like, okay, I think both of us agree that, that you know, rioting, looting, like trashing and burning and, and harm, that's not the answer. So like, so like what needs to happen going forward? I heard one person say it this way. They quote Dr. King often. They say, you know, rioting is the, the voice of the, the unheard. Hmm. But I heard one person say, but it's not the weapon. The weapon is legislation. Uh, the weapon are forums like this. Uh, the weapon is 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 banding together with African Americans and having a solidarity. But what we're looking for is for persons like yourself and other pastors and leaders and public figures. And I think it's happening across the country to say we we no longer will stand across the street as we talked about the other day, uh, Pastor mm-hmm. Burt. We we'll no longer stand across the street and watch, watch the monster keep killing your children, and saying, "I I don't agree with that killing. It's not right." And going in the house, but I think what we're looking for now is for pastors and leaders of all creeds to stand in solidarity against the monster called racism, mm-hmm. called white supremacy. So I think there needs to be 
um, efforts, legislation, um, even investigations into those things and, and to, to rid the country of them once and for all. Mm. So then I guess my question is, um, how can, uh, can how can white people be of help in this to our brothers and sisters of color? Like, what does that look like? Uh, like, so when you say, all right, um, not just decrying, like, you know, if we saw a crime across the street, but getting involved, what, what does involvement look like? Involvement looks like going to a, a march, a peaceful demonstration, mm-hmm. to, jo- to, to coming out of your home and going to a, a, a march, to um, voting for those who have legislation and bills to help these situations, to um, creating organizations and having ministries just, just at a very basic level in your church, like have a race, race reconciliation ministry. Um, let's begin to talk about these things openly and let's begin to, to, to close the gap. Mm. Uh, I remember uh, when I came to stay at your home, uh, 20, <coughs> 10 years ago. Um, Last week. Last week. We were in college. You know, we were Mm -hmm. college kids studying to be preachers, or we didn't know what we were going to do, but we were studying to do something, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you invited us out to to Rehoboth to to preach at the youth revival Mm -hmm. you were having. Um, And you invited me and Josh out. Mm -hmm. Josh is uh, darker than I am. Mm Right. I think he's Haitian, I think, yeah. right? Um, Josh Dupuis, she's the Haitian sensation. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Haitian sensation. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and and yet you, you have to realize that for me, I, I like, I know you, I like you, you're my buddy. But it was a little, it was a little nervous because remember, I'm taught, be careful when you go around white people. Mm. So So to come to your home, and for your mother to allow us to stay and in, in, in create space for us to sleep and to cook for us and to to stay at your dad's church and to have youth revivals and to go to beach together as a group of of mix a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. I don't think you were doing rec- racial reconciliation then. Mm-hmm. Because for 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 me and then for me to invite you into my home, into my church and for, for you know, I those moments, I think we think are just, you know, gospel moments but those are moments that are healing mm. um, those are moments that that so more moments like that to, to bring our congregations together to allow them to interact and for, and, and and for our community we, we got we don't want to feel like we're some sort of token or like we're you know you're inviting us in and so we gotta it's like no you, you know it's we're equal we, you know yeah you know yeah um well, KFC, KFC and Popeyes is not just in black neighborhoods. You know, we all like fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, my gut would attest to that. Yeah, let me ask you this because um, I know um, one thing that I think is really, really interesting um, is to even have the conversation that that um, our brothers or, or our sisters exist or not exist, but are in pain, that the pain exists. Like, like you talked about the idea of how you, you had a friend who went back to work after uh, George Floyd's death and nobody said anything about it, right? Yeah. I know, like, so for me, like, to even though we've known each other for a long time and our friends, I know for me, even there's still this kind of fear of asking, you know, 
what's going on, and also just how are you? Um, because there's this fear of saying the wrong thing. Um, we live in an age where it's easier, I think, to, to speak bef- than think. And everybody, is just, it just feels like everybody's sort of looking for an, like, looking for an occasion to jump down someone else's throat, right? And so I, I know like a lot of people are afraid to say anything because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. So, so what would you say to that person who's like, listen, it's not that uh, I, I, I don't hear uh, the plight of my brothers and sisters of color. I just don't want to say the wrong thing. What would you say to them? Yeah. Say it anyhow. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I would say um, say it anyhow. As, as, a, as a believer... Sometimes I don't know what to say. But I remember one time the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, but say something. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you have to be as politically correct. Um, it's, it's more so, you know, if you see a person down, you see a person hurting, you see uh, people crying out, saying we are tired of being treated with evil and mis and, and, and hatred yeah. for the color of our skin. Yeah. And you don't have to say the right thing about that. You just have to say something if you're not for it. Yeah. You have to say, I am not for it. You have to be okay. Liking a post that's about <laughs> that's, you know, against racism and for black equality. Yeah. It's okay to like that post. It's okay to comment. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the monster doesn't mind commenting. <laughs> mm. Mm. I, I did a, I did a live on Sunday. We went live uh, from our church location outside. We did a service. Mm-hmm. And it was called a country in chaos prayer rally. Mm. And the first person that commented on the, on the, on the feed, somebody said, get this ish off my wall. Mm. There's a white guy holding this baby. Mm. So they, they're not afraid that those who are anti um, black equality are not afraid to say so. So in some ways, you got to just, you know, it's not about political correctness or it's not about, it's about, you know, you know people are throwing rocks at cops. You can, <laughs> political correctness has, has um, gone. Mm. You know, people are burning buildings and rioting. It's time just to say something. Right. If you're, if you, if you actually believe in the Bible, Isaiah 58 says, you know, cry aloud and spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Show the house of Jacob their sins and my people their transgressions. Mm. You know people that are this way. If you have people in your family, friends, colleagues, say something. It's your job, your duty as a believer. Yeah, that's yeah. our true bloodline is the blood of Christ. Yeah, well, that's it though, right? Too, because you you figure like, for me, um, there are there are two uh, camps that I think I I fall into just within my existence. Um, um, I, I have I have no uh, I, I have no racial um, uh, people group because I'm I'm pretty much a mutt like I got a little bit of everything in me um, mm-hmm. and so I, I don't you know I you know I have friends who are Irish and they they have they're really really proud of that fact or friends who are Italian the same way I mean not so much I, I have two groups one I'm I'm a Christian and two I am an American uh, and 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 in that order. Right, like whenever the American thing conflicts the Christian thing, the American thing is in the wrong. 
I don't, I don't buy into the belief that I should just support something because it's uh, American. Like, no, the American stuff needs to fall in line with a biblical worldview. Um, but, mm. I, but I believe, that, I believe that, that racism and oppression are anti both of those things. They're anti-Christian because, listen, the Bible says that God so loved the world, yeah. right? Um, that he gave his one and only son. And, and, and the truth is, those of my skin color are not the majority in the world. <laughs> we, di- we didn't even match the, the skin color of the Middle Eastern Jew who is our savior. So, so we don't have that going for us, okay? Um, but two, as an American, look, as, as, as a kid, every morning in public school, we, we, we prayed the Pledge of Allegiance, we prayed, we said the, the Pledge of Allegiance, right? Which, which ends with one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all, mm-hmm. all. Yeah. And if there is, if there is injustice, um, anytime it's not okay for us. But specifically, if it is organized, if it is allowed, and and if and if we have a group of our brothers and sisters who are targeted for injustice, that yeah. I, I don't think that can stand with us as Americans because it goes against what we are. Um, so. So for me, I, I guess it just comes back, and I, I want to um, sort of get at this from the spiritual perspective, and I think this is a good place for us to, to wrap is this question. Okay, what should the response of, like, as a follower of Jesus, what does it mean to respond, and how do we respond? Like, how do we, how do we model the character of Christ to our nation in what we're seeing right now? Uh, so at this point, the Christian has to realize that you're, you're you are born again mm. and this is for black white hispanic asian middle eastern pacific islander all the stuff on the you know the fafsa you know um <laughs> you you have to you have to <laughs> realize you are born again and and to be born again is to is to say i actually have a higher allegiance and as an african american preacher and pastor i get in trouble for this because my friends don't want me to say some of my friends don't want me to 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 have a higher allegiance to my to my Christian worldview. Mm. They want me to have a high allegiance to my Afrocentric worldview. And I get in trouble because I'm not Afrocentric enough. Mm. Then for the believers, I'm not Christian enough. And it's like, well, I'm just trying to to be like Christ. Mm. And actually being like Christ is not popular to a lot of people, white and black. Yeah. Because you you have to put away all of that. And you have to really say, okay, love your neighbor as yourself. And so some of my colleagues don't want me to love my white neighbors as myself because they've been harming us and hurting us and killing us. And so I shouldn't love them the same. I should hate them and want to see them dead. And it's like, no, that's not Christian either. Hmm. So if if the oppressed person, if the the, the person that's been put upon or abused can't even take the, the... the, the idea and say, I want to see hatred and retaliation and eye for an eye return to those who have been doing the killing and the oppressing. How much more can those who have been benefiting from white privilege and white uh, skin color hold on to those beliefs of, 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 of being superior and say, I, I too have to divorce that ideology mm. and grab a hold of the biblical worldview mm. that says uh, God is the creator of all things mm. and is neither male nor female bond nor free, Jew nor Greek, <laughs> for we all spirit. Yeah. Neither side likes that scripture because <laughs> it 
it's becomes like sort of invisible. Spirit is, you know, spirit has no. I'm glad spirits don't have skin color. Heaven would be heaven would be pretty weird. But um, <laughs> people don't like that scripture because spirit transcends color, mm-hmm. and that's how God sees us as spirit. And mm-hmm. so I think a, a healthy worldview of the believer is to realize we are spirit. I said before before we go, would you mind just praying for us out and praying us out today? Sure. Okay. Christ, I'm glad that when you shed your blood, it did not come out any other color but red. Because had it come out blue, they would make an argument that blue blood is better. Had it come out yellow, they would make an argument that yellow blood is better. Had it come out black, they would make an argument that black blood is better. When you shed your blood on the cross for all sins, it came out red as all blood comes out red to show that you are a part of the human race. And as Pastor Bert said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the entire world, all colors, all backgrounds, if you are racist and are a recovering racist, if you're not anti-racist, if you are African-American and now you are recovering hatred of white people, whatever you fall on the spectrum, you said the entire world could be saved through you. I pray that prayer for everyone listening here, that we draw closer to you, that we come out of fear and hiding and say, I'll stand with Christ. My voice will be used for the oppressed. For when you clothed me, when you fed me, you gave me shelter. You did that to the least of these. When you cried out for the person that's being treated unfairly because of racism. When you cried out, you cried out for me. Christ, thank you for coming in the manger. Thank you for dying on the cross. You connect with the oppressed. You connect with the marginalized. You connect with the person that's even been to prison. But you yourself died as a convicted felon. But thank you that you rose with all power in your hands to show us that if we trust you, if we choose you, we shall rise in power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you, brother. Love you too, man.